your YouTube feed is crap. Stop wasting your time watching bot-boosted shills and self-appointed gurus cloying for your attention. Instead, join the Goslings interview, live stream, and podcast. The Goslings, a dark-lit digital speakeasy of free thinkers. A super chat of radical truth-seeking wizards who eat trolls for second breakfast. Topics that'll make your mama's hair stand on end. Ideas that'll make your pastor's knees knock. Guests that will illuminate the hidden chambers of your mind. And interviews that strike down the darkness. Welcome to The Goslings. Uh, first off, where do you think we are right now in the biblical timeline? Great question. I think we are on really... On, on on the cusp of the the events of revelation right and and the reason why I do, the, the way i kind of look at the timeline in terms of if i want to say okay where are we presently i go to revelation and what i like to look at is what are we seeing in revelation that could not take place today right so i put the i put the writing of revelation in 96 ad right so when you look obviously at like prophecies of the mark of the beast a mark that controls all commerce. Nothing can be bought or sold without someone having this mark. That that was uh, an impossibility at that time when the Apostle John wrote it, right? Because obviously you could trade anything. Commerce was anything of value could be exchanged. Uh, whereas, of course, now, you know, in 2023, that's obviously, you know, RFID. We've even beyond RFID. We have tattoos, you know. So now it's a complete yeah. reality to see a symbol mark that you can put in your hand and companies are doing it already in Scandinavia to for entrance into, a, you know, anything into your, into your job for your bank account. You know, yeah. already I see uh, at Whole Foods, Amazon's now using your palm print. You can now purchase your whole order with the palm print and it pays through your Amazon account. So, mm -hmm. so now those things are very feasible. You look at yeah. Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses where it says that they after they are killed, their bodies, the whole world sees their bodies dead in the street right. for three and a half days. Again, something that only in the last decade is that something that's mm -hmm. really possible at all for everybody yeah. in the world to yeah. see it. But now it is possible for something to happen, obviously. Um, so that's what leads me to believe. I, I don't really see much if anything that's being described in terms of heaven in terms of earthly events right obviously there are beings that are going to come from the abyss that come from heaven those are the events of revelation but in terms of things that are being described they're going to take place in the reign of antichrist from a technological standpoint it's all here it's all yeah. here it's all present you know um i was just reading an article yesterday saying that 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 the Neuralink elon musk company will probably have an ipo in 2023 right so even the idea of getting into the mind right and i talk about this a little bit in the final nephilim with the with the image of the beast you know one of the most mm -hmm. staggering things about the image of the beast that we don't talk about to me enough is that it says it enforces and knows who is worshiping the antichrist we talk about yes under penalty of death but it actually knows globally if you're yeah. worshiping or not i mean that level of technological mm. control again how is that being done is because we're all tapped in neurologically into a system into a mainframe right well it's, again it's on the way and yeah. so that's what lets me leads me to believe that you know in terms of a specific year obviously i can't say but could it have could these things take place in our <coughs> lifetime that the great tribulation ushers in the actual events i believe absolutely okay. yeah 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 
and that tie actually ties into um, you, you mentioned the tribulation. We were yeah. kind of wanting to get your opinion of the first of all, we have all kinds of really great, smart, you know, God fearing, God loving uh, people that watch the show. And they have many different uh, ideas and opinions about when the rapture takes place. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's really become a question, like a hot button question for everybody. Like, yeah, it's a like, it definitely everybody's a been talking question. about it all of a sudden for <laughs> yeah. some reason. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you have the classic pre-trib, you have mid-trib, you have post-trib. Like, where where are you on? Are we going to be here for the tribulation? Like, where do you stand on the rapture? Your opinion. Yeah. So I, I sort of have a, a unique position, but in terms of the the question. I am what you would call pre-tribulation. So I do not believe we'll be here for the events, the judgments that are poured out. I believe at the seals and bowls of, of revelation, right? Okay. Um, however, I don't take the traditional pre-tribulation position and timeline, meaning that I do not believe that the first seal of revelation is the start of the great tribulation, the day of the Lord, as I call it, any of those things. I, and, I, and in fact, I believe that when you really look at Revelation 4 and 5 contextually, and really, I believe that those events, you know, when it says that the, the that John sees the father sitting on his throne, he has a book that no man is found worthy in heaven, in earth, or under the earth. No one in the known universe is worthy. And of course, the lamb appears. And of course, we know Jesus obviously yeah. is the one who's worthy. I believe those events took place. 50 days right after the resurrection, that that is when that happens. That okay. what John is describing when he sees the lamb who's slain appear and he's you know weeping and the angel says rejoice because he's prevailed. That is when Jesus has now left the apostles in Acts chapter one is now returned to heaven. And of course now, obviously he is worthy. He has won the victory on the cross. And the reason why no one was worthy because it was pre the resurrection. And so therefore when the first seal is opened, I believe that took place 2000 years ago. Oh, wow. And as okay. you see, and what you see with the seals, and I won't get into, unless you want to get into detail on yeah, it. Please, yeah, please. I do actually. Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, sure. All it. right. Sure. So, okay. So when you get to, so obviously Jesus takes the book and opens the first, the seven sealed scroll. And what I, what you see with the seals, especially the first four seals, right? The four horsemen of the apocalypse, these horses, I believe again, letting scripture interpret scripture there's only one real place we see these beings these colored horses with horsemen riding through the earth and that's in the book of zechariah and we're told specifically in zechariah that these are spirits that god has sent forth throughout the world and revelation even uses that similar language of spirits being sent forth and so when you see these again the, the white uh horse rider the red the uh black and the and the pale horse I believe these are spirits of judgment that God is unleashing from 2000 years ago into the earth. And when you look at Matthew chapter 24, I believe Jesus describes these horsemen in order. I mean, he says that, you know, yeah. there will be false Christ. I believe the white horseman is not the Antichrist. It's a spirit of false Christianity, a spiritual deception, right? Take heed, no man deceive you. And he says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can just look it's in the, the past 500 years. I talk about this again yeah. in the final level. The billions of people who have been killed in wars, right? But certainly in the last 2,000 years. And then you have uh, uh, the economic, right? The black horse rider with the, the scales, right? The economic. And, and there's there's going to be famines, right? Famines in, 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 in a certain part of the world, right? A certain 
portion of the earth will be subject to massive famines, which is obviously, again, documented in the earth that there's whole nations suffering in famine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then death from pestilence, right? Massive forms of death, mm -hmm. right? Which we see, right? Uh, certainly pestilence, diseases, pandemics, all these things that have taken place, again, over millennia. And so right. this is how I see the first four seals being opened, that these spirits are being sent throughout the earth through, for, the, for the duration of the church age until now, right? And so, so what does that lead us to? That takes us to the fifth seal. And the fifth seal is very fascinating because it's the only one of the seals that's linked directly to time. And when you get to the fifth seal, it is the martyrs who are under the altar in heaven. And what do they say? So it's they say to God, how long, Lord? How long until you avenge us? So they're waiting on God. And, and you have, I, I don't know. I've had, I don't know. I've read lots of interpretations. To me, these yeah. have to be believers in Christ who have been killed for their faith. They're yeah. called yeah, martyrs. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see any other way to interpret a martyr than someone who's died, given their life for their faith. And, and so I believe these are the martyrs throughout the entire church age, going back the, to the book of Acts chapter seven with, with Stephen, the first martyr, all the way to now, the, the many Christians in North Korea, Eritrea, Ethiopia, all these restricted nations where they're getting beheaded, tortured, murdered for their faith today in 2023. And they ask God how long, and God says a little while longer until the number of your fellow servants is fulfilled. So what I believe God is saying clearly is that God, and this is how God always operates, right? We see this all going back to Abraham. When he talks about the sins of the Amorites has not come to the full yet. Like I'm going to judge yeah. them four generations from now. And so he says, so it, it's, I think it's a similar thing. God has a number and says, when, when the number of my servants, my children have to die for the name of Jesus Christ, when it reaches a certain number, that's it. And yeah. that's when everything starts. So we are now in the fifth seal, I believe. Okay. And again, you know, the one, you know, voice of the martyrs. And there's lots of websites that track, you know, restricted nations and Christians who are being killed for their faith every day. Yeah. And so I believe we are now in the fifth seal. And when that number is reached, that's when the sixth seal opens. And that's when I believe the Great Tribulation begins. That's so I believe awesome. the rapture takes place at that time. And the great tribulation begins. And of course, you see the testimony of scripture in the sixth seal. To me, it's clear. Yeah. That's when everyone knows. All bets are off now. Everyone knows God is literally supernaturally intervening in earthly affairs. Says the great men, the powerful men, the captains, the mighty, all the rich people, the Illuminati, the elites, they all know. They're running. They're hiding in caves. And isn't it interesting? It says caves and rocks, right? A lot of those, I think, will yeah. be some of the, the luxury doomsday bunkers, right? And mm -hmm. they say, hide us from him that sitteth on the throne in the face of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And I believe that is the moment everything begins. The great tribulation begins, but also I believe the moment that we, the church, are taken up into heaven. Between the fifth seal and the sixth seal? I think at the opening yeah. of the sixth seal. At okay. the opening yeah. of the sixth seal, I believe we are taken up into heaven, and the judgment of God starts to come down on earth. Well. And, of course, that's when you see... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the moon, the, the moon turned to blood, right? You have the blood moon, yeah. right? That, that, and that only occurs one time in the Bible, right? Joel 2.31 tells us that the day of the Lord, the sun shall go dark and the moon shall turn red, right? Red is blood, right? That only occurs, that, that combination 
at the sixth seal of Revelation chapter six. So that is what I, and that's why I really, we talk about the great tribulation, the seven year tribulation, really the common old Testament term for this is the day of the Lord, right? Yeah. You put that in the oh, Bible yeah. gateway search or any search engine for the Bible. It's, it's called the day of the Lord again and again and again in Joel chapter two, verse 31 specifically says that before that takes place, the sun will turn dark, the moon shall turn to blood and then everything commences, right? And so that's what I believe. And that's the end of chapter six, right? Of Revelation six. And then what happens, you get to chapter seven and you have these four angels that God, that the Bible tells us, God tells us that they have the power to harm the earth. And God says, hold on, because he's got to, first he's got to seal the witnesses, the 144,000. And then what does John see? And, and I believe they're being sealed on earth, right? These are witnesses on earth. Jewish witnesses are gonna go out and share the gospel of the kingdom, right? In the earth. And then it says, and lo and behold, in heaven, out of nowhere, right? This term, lo and behold, something appears out of nowhere. And it's this multitude of all ethnicities, races, nations, tongues, colors, standing before the throne. And I believe that's the raptured church. Gotcha. Right there, it, who just uh, suddenly, literally just appear out of nowhere yeah. in heaven, right before John, right after the opening of the sixth seal. And I believe it's because the church is raptured at that time. Cool. Yeah. Hallelujah, baby. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's Please. Go. And uh, you know uh, that uh, that reminds me, Ryan. You know, you uh, you have a very interesting take that tracks very well from what you just said over the course of two thousand years. But yet, you know, we are now in uh, a post-industrial revolution society. Do you think that a lot of that stuff, I mean, no man knows the day or the hour, but do you think that the uh, rapidity of technology and technological advancement and therefore the expansion of population, the plagues that we're seeing, you know, from the bubonic plague 100 years ago to what we're going through, you know, today and uh, all the famines and the wars, do you think that there's an accelerative nature to this sort of thing or is there no way to tell like it can ebb and flow absolutely i think you're absolutely right right i think it, it is accelerating and it's no coincidence that again it's human knowledge human technology right yeah the closer that we come to achieving divine power the quicker we accelerate ourselves to god coming in and judging us right and and yeah. this is a part again what i talked about you know this whole what i call the scroll of time right it's like the days of noah you have this acceleration yeah. in yes. knowledge in yeah. the days of Noah from this forbidden knowledge given from the fallen angels. Nothing new under the sun. Accelerated evil yeah. and God's judgment, right? Of course, with the flood. And so, yeah. so yeah, so I, I do think that technology and everything that's obviously happened, right? And 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 I, and I already know what you're getting at, right? When you look at this, the, the, the rate of technological advancement in the past 150 yeah. years is just, you know, staggering right dwarfs yep, yeah. almost two thousand years of history so it's yep, right. it's no coincidence right and, and again even when you look at what the most powerful people of today are saying the wealthiest people what do they want they want immortality yep. you know they want right. to have godlike powers they want to cheat death and yep. have eternal life on their own terms yes on their own terms because and that's that was the leviathan order thing that's i think that's the adrenochrome thing in a lot of ways and i think that's definitely going to be this elon muskian metaverse kind of thing where mm -hmm. if you if you don't ever have to die then you don't have to answer to god and you Absolutely. can live on your own terms in this place that you know perhaps your chosen master lucifer helped create 
And now, you know, you're not one of the usurpers anymore. Now you're part of his kingdom, you know, whether it's, you know, a pre-Adamic or antediluvian style kingdom. Um, do you think there's a correlation between uh, the antediluvian technology that a lot of people talk about, that sort of simulacrum Atlantis, you know, and then um, the Tower of Babel and then what we're dealing with nowadays with like the metaverse and CERN and all of that stuff that's sort of trying to get you into this separate like veil rending reality absolutely in fact you know i uh did a a, a youtube show on the tower of babel and and on nice. and, and related to cern it was really the ancient form of cern right so it was like you yeah. know because again is you know what you know and, and this is why i love the <clears throat> i love the small details from scripture you know when you look at the account of the tower of babel again one of these verses that I don't think we discuss enough that God says that if they complete this, there is nothing that will be withheld from them, which they yes. imagine to do. I right. Mean, that is a mind blowing proclamation from God, from Yahweh. For God what is to going say, on? yeah, what is like, what, yeah. what yeah. is going on? And yes, we talk about, yeah, we think it was a ziggurat. We think it was, a, it was some type of like supernatural portal, but it was that bad. And they were that close to, I mean, yeah. What were they going to unlock? And so, uh, yeah, so I think it was the first attempt to return to the antediluvian age. They were trying to bring yeah. back the era of the fallen angels, right? In the days of Noah, you have this open interaction between the earthly and the heavenly realms. Fallen angels are all over the place. They're marrying women. They're fathering the Nephilim. They're, yeah. uh, you know, the serpent speaking to Eve directly. So the veil did not exist in the days of Noah. And I think that the Tower of Babel was, gonna, was going to bring that back. I mean, I think God confirms that by the own words of God that they were going to um, not just open the veil between the earthly and heavenly realm, but unlock some power yep. that essentially yep. would almost make them divine and potentially invade heaven. Yeah. Yeah. According exactly. to the uh, exactly. non-canonical text. Sure. Were you going to yeah. ask him about the, about the non-canonical text? Cause I really was curious about that. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, like, like we it's one of the things we really admire about you. Yeah. Brian, because actually. a lot of people who touch Thank on you. the subject matter, and this 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 perspective of how you know prehistory uh, helps us understand what's coming. Um, a lot of that comes from extra biblical sources like the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jasher, Jubilee, Jubilees, so forth, yeah. um, all of which are great. But what one thing that we really respect about your work is that you didn't re, uh, you didn't lean on those really heavily. Yeah, everything yeah. that everything that uh, is it's in your very book comes straight out of comes straight out of scripture. Yeah. Um, which is which is phenomenal. Why did you also makes your to... job harder? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but you're uh, kind of an expert, aren't you? An expert in like uh, uh, ancient Hebrew thought as well. Um, like, uh, yeah, why, I've done a lot of research. I do. Yeah, definitely done a lot of research into ancient Hebrew thought. Um, uh, so I, you know, I've read the extra canonical books for sure, and, I, and I'm familiar with lots of different writings and stuff. And there are many more, right, than just what we commonly have in our possession today. You know, there, you know, those type of apocryphal books were really like their own genre for several centuries, right? In the in intimate intertestamental period in the first and second centuries AD, uh, you had you know the Apocalypse of Paul, the Apocalypse of Peter. There are lots of these books in circulation, but my. my my motivation was really twofold was one i think that when i started researching and really going down the nephilim rabbit hole about 15 years ago <laughs> um you know it, it 
and I was reading everything, watching documentaries, watching YouTube videos, doing all those things. And that's great. It's great. It inspired me. Right. And so um, what I noticed was two things that there was such a reliance on these extra biblical apocryphal texts that it was usurping scripture or being made equal with scripture. And as you know, as I'm a Bible believer, like I don't ascribe to, I'm not like, you know, like a, a, you know, I guess I'm a, you're kind of a KGV guy, right? What's that? You're kind of a KGV guy. Yeah, I use the KGV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up top for KGV. There you go. go. So um, (laughs) there it is. So, so yeah, so I wanted to really (laughs) elevate the Bible. And, you know, we have this challenge that we talk about all the time in this particular topic, especially like, why aren't the churches talking about this? This is something the churches don't touch. 99% of churches in America aren't going to ever talk about the Nephilim. However, if we make a book that's just relying on scripture that you can take into a church and they're not, we're not quoting any other text. We're not getting into any other mythology and, Smart and making it equal to scripture. This yeah. is an, an entry point to say, Hey, now you can teach this in your church. Cause this book is taking everything from the Bible and also showing that this was the understanding and the correct interpretation in the church going back to Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, yeah. Tertullian. And I had heard lots of people yeah. mention those names in the in the in the context of the nephilim but they never actually said what did they say about it yeah like i would watch a presentation they'd say oh you know all the church fathers believe genesis 6 that these that the sons of god were angels but never showed what did they actually say and i i I want to know that so i had to dig and find it and then show that and then it became easy to see that even in the 1700s the 1800s in the church up until the earliest 20th century, there is, I mean, dozens and dozens of theologians, commentaries, pastors, lay people who say this was the interpretation that this is. And so that's what I want to demonstrate. And also, I felt like there was a lot of ground in the Bible relating to the Nephilim that wasn't being covered in other books. And I'm like, you know, wait, this isn't this isn't just about showing that fallen angels married human women and had a hybrid offspring, which it was, and, it's, and and the attempt to, you know, to corrupt the human genome, this weaves all through the Old Testament. This is like yeah. the story of the Old Testament is, I mean, the Nephilim is a critical part of it. So I yeah. also wanted to show, I felt there were lots of passages that related to the struggle and the battle of these two seeds, the Nephilim, all this effort that people weren't talking about. So I'm like, I want to write a book that shows that this is not just an interesting thing that did happen in biblical history. This is about the story of our redemption, a huge part yeah. of the story of our redemption itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's very relevant. Well, um, and I can forgive a church for not wanting to, you know, teach out of an extra canonical book like Enoch. Like sure. I can forgive a church saying, eh, we're not going to touch that. We don't do apocryphal works here. we got enough but to I, deal with as it is. But I can't forgive a church for ignoring what's in their scripture. <laughs> right. And saying, well, we're not going to talk yeah. about that. Well, yeah. why not? It's in your, it's in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, uh, first of all, that is a brilliant tactical move, Ryan. Um, potentially mm-hmm. a really solid strategic move to only deal with what is in the canonical Bible. Because then, like you say, no church can get weirded out by it, and no one has an excuse to jettison the argument. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. so you you sort of deny the enemy in a way of the uh, of that one hillside of the you know of the Maginot line of of the Sethite theory, you know, that they all lean on. But <clears throat> I, 
we always ask this question, whether it's Gary Wayne, Derek Gilbert, you know, any of the people who we always touch a subject with, we wanted to ask you too, why do you think churches shy away from this topic? Yeah. Uh, it really goes back again to the turn of the 20th century. And there are two yeah. things you have there. You have the kind of uh, European, but really British enlightenment where you have uh, Aldous Huxley, Charles Darwin, all of these kind of writers yeah. who are very educated writers writing on you know philosophy and basically rejecting the Bible, saying the Bible, yeah. basically ridiculing if you believe the Bible, coupling that with the rise of the theory of evolution. Uh -huh. So some of the church's stance was to get away from the more supernatural, weird, fringe aspects of the Bible to compete with the this kind of new enlightenment movement that was saying there's no credibility to the Bible. So I think that played a huge role. And then you also just have the seminaries, right? You can go back to an old Schofield Bible at the turn of the 20th century in the early 1900s, and you go to Genesis 6, and in the footnotes, it talks about the Nephilim. And that's the huh. last, you know, popular bible in america you're going to find that does that and that's 19 the 19 teens and so what wow. happens is you have the seminary stop teaching this interpretation what i call the yep. supernatural interpretation of genesis 6. so you have generations of pastors who you are training and theologians say these are the sons of seth or just kind of just overlook it at all we're not even going to talk about the, that passage in, in chapter mm -hmm. in verse 4. we're just going to talk about the flood men were wicked it got violent, so God had to kill everybody, right? Yeah. So, and um, <laughs> well, and in the early 19th century, too, I mean, sorry, the early 20th century, too, uh, around that same time, isn't that when we start to see the rise of the Smithsonian and spiritualism, you know? And, sure. and they're, they're yeah. you know, now it's we kind of understand this is Smithsonian been like finding archaeological evidence of. All the giant bones the got giant gobbled bones up by and, the Smithsonian. Yeah, they get hidden and such. Yep. Uh, no. And the burial mounds. No one wants to talk about the burial yeah. mounds, you yeah. know. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was just watching something yesterday about that, actually, in the, in the Grand Canyon, which I was never even aware of. <laughs> really? They, wow. they, they were, there's, a, you know, apparently, uh, you know, an explorer who at the turn of the 20th century who found, you know, uh, basically hieroglyphs in the Grand Canyon in caves and, you know, in, in giant bones. And they said the Smithsonian came and kind of closed up the whole thing and yeah. closed up all these 30 caves right here in, the, in America. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that also played a role as well. Yep. You know, that happened. Um, oh, I can't believe I can't remember the guy's name. I'm blanking on it now. But there was a guy on TikTok, uh, I want to say either last year or year before last, who had a similar situation where he recorded what looked like a giant on the top of a hill sizes in like Colorado. And then the parks people kept telling him he couldn't go there and then oh, wow. like there were military choppers flying in and out oh wow and then like there was an installation set up on top of the ridge line you know and then uh he released a couple of weird videos saying like it's all fake but it clearly looked like a hostage video you know <laughs> yeah. and then he vanished like and oh, wow. i think he's dead and uh yeah so i mean the conspiracy it's it's really one of those things where where there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. And the frustrating thing about it is you would think that the the church as a godly institution, <clears throat> you know, would carry the torch for, you know, this kind of plot thread. But if a bunch of your, you know, seminary schools are ran by Masonic institutions, then, you know, they have a vested interest in covering it up for a number of reasons. I, you mentioned the early 20th century. 
when I was in high school, Ryan, I, my dad gave me, I was starting to write the heavenly realms books. And my dad gave me this book uh, called the spirit world by Clarence Larkin. Larkin, Yep. I'm sure you probably heard of it. Sure. And uh, gem of a book, you know, written in like 1921, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it talked about all that stuff. And it blew my mind because I'd been going to Christian schools my whole life. So I had no idea about this stuff. And I tried telling my Bible teacher, who was the principal's wife in the school, and she rattled off the Sethite theory. And I was just like, okay, that's it. I give up. I'm done. I'm done for the next 20 years until Ryan and Nick and I and Gary Wayne can all hang out and talk about it, you know. But it is such like a lockstep sort of thing where, I mean, it is a phalanx against this theory more often than not. And people have been talking about it more and more over the past I've noticed probably eight years. You've maybe noticed it for longer than that. Do you think there's any reason uh, as to why uh, this has sort of bubbled up in the zeitgeist more? Yeah, two, two reasons, right? One is the spiritual reason, right? God is bringing us into more knowledge, right? Knowledge will increase. Yeah. God is preparing us for what is coming, right? Because revelation, I mean, it is, you know, I believe, again, the return of the heavenly realm intersecting with the earthly realm it's going to happen and so while we're here we are the last kind of vanguards to warn the earth right to be like noah preaching righteousness but letting people know there's a supernatural enemy who's on their way who's going to manifest right in front of your face in your eyes like no question about it performing yeah. miracles right in front of your face on tv on the internet yeah. and so that's one reason and then two i think again it's like you mentioned gary wayne you mentioned Derek gilbert la marzuli there's just been a lot of great work you know yeah. I, I definitely um have been so uh inspired i could i would have never written my books without a lot of the research of these men and women who have done great in research and yeah, writing same. videos into the Nephilim. So that's really, yeah. that's it. I think the, the level of content has gotten really better. You know, I, in fact, just to give an example, I, I just in December uh, was invited to uh, Tommy Ice's uh, pre-trib study group in Dallas. Yeah, I watched that. And yeah, and that's, I mean, that is a, that's a theologian. That's, a, that's like a seminary conference. It's not your normal kind of prophecy conference where it's just people from all over the world and everyone's just talking. This is a very serious, conservative yeah. seminary conference. Everyone's yeah. there with laptops, taking notes. It, it felt like I was teaching in a class. And, wow. um, and I was the second person, I think, there in 28 years to talk about the Nephilim. Jeez. And yeah, I, re really? I think I remember from that video, like in the Q&A portion of it at the end, there was a guy who came up and started kind of I'm not very well, but he was trying to argue the Sethite theory. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Because wasn't he arguing um, the, uh, the lack of angelic anatomy? Was that the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly I heard saying, yeah. that I was listening to that this morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he was, there were a lot of people at that conference, you know, when I was not speaking, I was at my table who came up to me and said, you know, just absolutely disagreed with me. Said, I really? don't believe in this. You know, I, I, they're the sons of Seth. And, but so on one hand, you see that from the seminary position, they don't agree with it, but times are changing. Cause again, I was invited to speak, you know, and they the knew, what? Tommy Ice knew what I was going to speak on. He knew exactly yeah. what I was going to say. He knew, he saw me speak at the Prophecy Watchers Conference last May. So he knew, but yet he invited me because he wanted to, and I, and I applaud him for it. It's like we got to challenge our long held beliefs, right? I, I compare yeah. Christianity a lot to, uh physical fitness 
right? You got to yeah. challenge yourself, right? If you're the, if you're not if you're if you believe the same exact theology everything for 20 years, that's a problem. Because you don't know everything. Yeah. Like I'm changing my belief. Yeah. I'm learning yeah. more every week, right? God's yeah. correcting me. So it's the same thing. So I, I, I'm grateful. Um, I don't mind being in that type of environment. So, you know, I was, I was a debater in high school and college. You know, I, 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 argumentation is something I, I really enjoy. So I don't mind it at all. <laughs> yeah. um, getting yeah. into some scraps. But, um, but, <laughs> but it shows that times are changing, that they would have a speaker like me who's going to come in and say something like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I believe Satan will have an offspring you know, himself yeah. in the end times, you know, so which is really out of left field for that type of conference. But, it's, sure. but things are changing. Well, major, major kudos to you. I mean, you yeah. got to have some serious cojones to get up in front of <laughs> a room of theologians, yeah. knowing that the <laughs> right. majority of them are going to disagree with you. Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. it's just putting that uh, that legal background to work, right? Exactly. You know? And that's what God does, right? God yeah. put me through yeah. all those things in my career, my education to get me ready for something like that. So and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever did you ever take the bar and become a practicing attorney of any I sort? Did. Or? So my first three years, I worked at a law firm in New York, um, right cool. down on Wall Street. I did corporate law. And, wow. uh, you know, I, I always say how, you know, it was, it was really interesting. You know, I grew up as a Christian and uh, a Bible believing Christian, absolutely. And cool. a Christian home um, and love the Bible, love learning. And at that time in my life, I had achieved really everything I wanted to achieve. Right. I wanted to be a mm -hmm. lawyer from the time I was in sixth grade. I did a, mo a <laughs> mock trial program in sixth grade. loved cool. it. I said, this is what I want to do. And. I had done it, you know, I achieved it. I went to law school and passed the bar and was practicing in New York. And, nice. um, but spiritually it was the most empty time of my life. And, 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 and also by the way, uh, you know, making a lot of money, right. I was doing very yeah. well financially single, no kids. I can do whatever I want, right. Living in New York city, like top of the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. But it was really a very spiritually empty time in my life where That's I had funny. no spiritual direction. I didn't really feel connected to God. I certainly wasn't, I was living like a heathen and, um, and by God's grace, he kind of snapped me out of that. And, you know, politics has always been something I was very into as political science major. I worked for the Senate while I was in law school for a summer. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And, um, I, so it was always something kind of in my head of maybe I get, would get involved in at some point. So I was always following politics. And once I started stumbling upon the ministries, that were connecting politics to Bible prophecy, which is something I had never oh, even explored yeah. at that okay. point in my life. It just blew me away and, oh, and really awesome. convicted me. And I said, I got to really, I got to get back, not just into church, because I was still going to church, but serving in church, getting involved, learning, yeah. and really like devoting my free time to, to serving God. And that's kind of how things took off. I started researching. Yeah, and this is going, this is again, probably like 2007 ish. Okay. So this is when it's like, you know, New World Order, Bilderberg Group, Council oh, yeah. back yeah. in that age. You remember those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. There are different oh, yeah. Wild West days. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, and, and, I, and that was it. So I just, and so it wasn't even just the Nephilim. In fact, the Nephilim kind of came later, but like it was more the end time prophecy connecting it to politics. That's the stuff I was really digging yeah. into that kind of just changed my life, really. You know, it's funny. It, it kind of sounds like you had a real uh, you cannot serve God and mammon moment, you know, a real uh, hero's journey kind of calling 
there. And, um, you know, Gary Wayne talks about the same thing. Like he didn't set out to get into the, it, this seems to always happen. You don't start out angling into the Nephilim thing. You start out looking at like end times prophecy. Right. And when you look at end times prophecy and you start, you know, looking at the idea of the antichrist, you know, and, you know, possibly you look at the Assyrian angle, you know, and then you look at like, well, how does that tie into like, you know, the ancient tribes, you know, that um, that were warred against whatever you can, you know, you sort of reverse engineer it. So many people follow that same pathway where they start out looking at prophecy and then they wind up in biblical prehistory. Um, yeah. yeah. What were sort of the the touching stones that that led you from prophecy all the way back to, you know, the Nephilim angle? You know, again, uh, God's grace and Christian generosity. So I, I, there's a ministry. <laughs> there was a ministry, uh, a website uh, that no one seems to remember anymore. But back in the day, it was it was cuttingedge.org, O-R-G. Yeah. And um you know, it was kind of like a news aggregator, you know, just kind of different articles about end time prophecy type, you know, that type of website, oh, cool. but they uh -huh. also had a huge store, online store. So I was buying DVDs from them every month. I'd get a, just a box from them every month. And uh, again, on all these topics, you know, Bohemian Grove, you know, Council on Foreign <laughs> Relations, One World Currency, Education, all these different things. And a lot of about a lot of Billy Crone stuff too. If you ever watch Pastor Billy Crone, a lot of yep. his countdown oh, yeah. series yep. and things like that. So yep. And then there was one, you know, time I ordered and there was like a special package deal and they included a free DVD on the Nephilim. It was called the Nephilim Among Us. And it was a man named Mac Dominic. He was just literally at a whiteboard. It was a very low budget film <laughs> sitting on a awesome. whiteboard with a red marker, right? In Genesis 6, Sons of God, Benacha Elohim, Daughters of Men, you know, like he's a football coach. And um. <laughs> And I, I knew nothing about this. I knew nothing about this, you know, and it just blew me away. And that's what set me down kind of the rabbit hole of the Nephilim to start researching cool. it. And, you know, um, also around this time, I had met my, my wife. We were dating, but, you know, shortly soon to be married after that. And nice. she's a Christian who came out of the new age. And so she was very open to supernatural discussion. Yeah. So she awesome. and, and uh so she started, you know, every night she's sending me stuff like, oh, go on this website. I just want this website. Watch this video. Cool. And soon <laughs> it got to the point where I was researching so much because that's kind of how I get very obsessive about research. I'm yeah. telling all this stuff. And she's like, you got to like, she's like, you need to like start a blog. And then what I was doing, I was going on message boards. And there, it's embarrassing. Like there's, there's some message board old. Now we're talking old school with like internet. ten thousand <laughs> posts. I mean, it's embarrassing. Like, oh all yeah, sudden, like all night yeah. going back and uh -huh. forth. And so. And so I started a blog uh, that was called beginningandend.com. And it was about all things end times. And I did an article on the Nephilim kind of going through my, what I had been researching. And the article just was by far the biggest thing, most popular thing getting hits every day, every day, every day. And then soon the momentum kind of picked up where people kept emailing me saying, hey, you're going to write more on this. You're going to write more on this. And so I started researching more and digging into more. And that's when I kind of saw like, wow. There's so much about the Nephilim in scripture yeah. that no one's talking about. And I'm again, I'm telling this to my wife and she's like, you got to write a book. And so and so she and I was like and she was like, you know, I have a feeling that like your ministry is going to be all about the Nephilim in Genesis six. And I kid you not. I was like, nah, no way. <laughs> I was like, no way. And that's and that. But that really is kind of how it took off. And um, 
and really God just led me. And again, when I talk about how, you know, when you go through things in life, you know, how God is putting everything according to his purpose, right? All things work together for the good. And so again, I I definitely have a significant amount of experience on how to research and how to apply it and how to write and formulate arguments. And so it was just all that desire I had done for a law firm or in law school was just coming out and I was just applying it to scripture and Genesis six in the days of Noah and biblical prehistory. And that's where it all kind of took off. Man, that is an awesome skill set. And talk about being like equally yoked, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dude, what an yeah, so awesome cool. partner in yes, crime. Yeah, yeah. We should yeah, all be so, yeah. you know, we should all be so lucky. That yeah, is shout out to Erica. That's my wife's name. Yeah. So yeah, she, uh, she <laughs> really is crazy. I mean, I, I really did not believe that I'd have like a Nephilim related ministry at all. And she was like, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> And here if somebody had told you that 20 years ago, you would have been like, uh, yeah, okay, what's the yeah. Nephilim? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. How long have you guys been married? 12 years. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. cool. You guys got kids? Yes, we have uh, two kids, daughter and a son. Uh, daughter's the older one, Naya. She's 10 and Luke is eight. Oh, those are fun ages, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, awesome. and it's great, too, because like they, you know, they go, uh, it, it's really funny because they'll go to, to Sunday school and they just trip out the teachers. They're talking about all the stuff like the Antichrist, <laughs> fallen angels, and uh-huh. then they're like, what is going on in your house? And so yeah, the, the Peterson help. family comes to church and like all the Sunday school teachers are like, oh great, here we go. Yeah. All right, let's start getting ready, start taking notes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we homeschool my kids. I have a 13-year-old and 11 year old. Yeah. And uh, they know all this stuff too. And so people kind of yeah. like, oh, great, here come the homeschoolers. Here come That's the weirdos. It, yeah. They're going to be talking giants. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, I just want to get through this politics, hour. Giants <laughs> and politics. Um, um, Ryan Peterson wanted to ask you um, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot? Yeah, Bigfoot. So uh, I think, you know, all those kind of modern day uh, kind of mythological creatures that we see sightings, I kind of really, I I see a lot of these things as just supernatural phenomena, right? That Again, when we talk about where are the Nephilim today, I certainly hold the position that the Nephilim are the demons, the demons of scripture, the demons of our world today are the spirits of the dead Nephilim. And so when you look at that, whether it's demons or fallen angels, that there is certainly this intent to deceive, right? Paul, the apostle Paul says that the, that the, the, the gods of the heathens are devils are, you know, that's demonion in Greek. They are demons. So there are mm-hmm. people are worshiping beings. They're trying to deceive you and bring you into deception that fallen angels we know can masquerade. They can change. They are shapeshifters, right? Of course, obviously said the devil can, can appear. He can masquerade as an angel of light. So when we see these types of things, whether it's Bigfoot, Chupacabra or aliens, <laughs> I think it's all tied into a spiritual phenomenon and a spiritual deception that there are people, I believe, who are actually seeing these and witnessing these beings. It's not all just a figment of people's imaginations, that, but if when it does happen, it's an encounter with a spirit realm being. Yeah, it's funny how there's that uh, that old Mitch Hedberg joke about where he says, you know, what if the scariest thing about Bigfoot is that he's actually blurry in real life? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, but like to your point, like maybe there is a reason why 
photographic and video evidence is so sparse with all these cryptids because maybe it's something that is transdimensional or interdimensional and supernatural in nature and it doesn't it doesn't bend to the same laws of corporeal reality that we live in because right. there is something you know it's like with ghosts like <clears throat> i don't uh I don't really like the idea of, you know, your dead relatives coming back to you as ghosts. I don't like the idea of there being like Caspers, you know, friendly ghosts. Sure, like, sure. To me, you know, ghosts are disembodied spirits and like they're not here for good reasons. And so, yeah, exactly. you might be really on to something about that. And that's an interesting take. Most people don't. I don't think we've ever heard that before. I don't think uh, anybody's ever really taken no, that so. approach. Well, with I'll, I'll add something else too, since you mentioned the blurriness, right? And this idea of why they could not be properly photographed, right? Everything you described just now with just, you just said with respect to Bigfoot and these creatures uh, is a lot again of what physicists will say about subatomic particles, right? So I talk about this, I talk about quantum physics in the final Nephilim, and, and I get into this idea, I try to get too deep into it, of quantum superposition, of a subatomic particle existing in two states at once. Well, there's another catch to that that I don't really get into in the book, but it's that that phenomenon that you can have an electron, the same electron in spinning up and spinning down at the same time, a physicist will tell you that when you observe that particle, it collapses to one thing. So again, it's this right. idea that it's it's yeah. when you have to view it and yes. examine it, it then sure. it then changes. Yes. So you can't see it in that state. And so it's very similar to what you're saying. And that and then that's how the subatomic, the quantum world behaves. And if you even think about it, again, I, I show that what I try to is demonstrate is that this is really how God expresses his nature in scripture over and over again. The easy easiest example being the Trinity. That God, I mean, it's a common thing we say that God exists in three yeah. persons at once. But what does that mean? Right. right? My kids asked me that years ago. They, they, they say, how is God the father and the son at the same time? They're like, how does that work? How is it, daddy? <laughs> yeah. I want to know. And so, well, quantum superposition. That's what I tell them now. I'm like, he's, yeah. Jesus is existing in two states at the same time. But when you have to describe Jesus, it collapses to one, right? He's the son. And when we have to yeah. observe him, it's the son. We, when Isaiah is called up to heaven in chapter six, he's observing the father, really, or the son on the throne, really. Uh, he's seeing Jesus, just one being on the throne. And mm -hmm. so it's this, uh, so again, I think kind of what you're saying is really getting into the same concept of what scientists are saying. Yeah. And the quantum world is happening. There's a lot of things happening that once you try to observe it, it suddenly changes. So, Isn't it funny how science has a way of, backing into the same things <laughs> you know that saying. scripture has been saying for like what, four thousand exactly. years now yeah. you know exactly and then you know and they and they call us the you know the the troglodytes you know who are yeah. clinging to our bibles and our guns you know but it's yeah. like yeah but if you just play the long game you know if you just sit there and wait like eventually all those things kind of unravel back to the very thing that yeah. you know god has been trying to tell us since the garden you know yeah De definitely De definitely yeah go ahead speaking of strange phenomenon uh how do you how do you think that the whole alien phenomenon yeah. which has been 
like making headlines lately. Oh my gosh, the past yeah. five years, it's blown up. Absolutely. How how does this yeah. whole thing tie into or play into Revelation? What what is your view on that? Uh, you know, again, Matthew 24, Jesus saying, take heed that no man deceive you, right? There's a massive deception coming, right? And so I just want to, I'm going to answer the question very specifically, but I want to just set the stage from a theological standpoint, right? Think about again, what these details of what Jesus says, when Jesus says, and again, this is something we quote all the time, that the deception is so strong that if it were so possible, it could deceive the very elect, that born again, believers could be deceived. It's like that powerful, if it was possible. So this is going to be something that's going to be on a, a, I mean, beyond Hollywood, big budget film level of deception. And so that's where I think the alien UFO phenomenon can all ultimately also come to play. Cause obviously we're seeing a ramping up of disclosure, right? The government right. admitting things, governments all over the world now saying, yes, we've been researching this stuff for decades and we have all these files. I just saw a documentary about a week ago about Virginia in Brazil, this sighting going back to the nineties, a phenomenal do documentary. And, um, where you, you have you know dozens of people in a town, policemen, firemen, construction workers, little girls who all saw it, a literal being. There was first there was a ship that crashed and then a being that was actually spotted in the town, apprehended by the military. And wow. interestingly enough, the so it, 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 it's an amazing document. I, I told my wife, I said, this is the best documentary I've ever seen. What was the name of it again? It's called, I think it's called Point of Contact. Okay. And it deals with Brazil. If you just, it's, it's Virginia, Brazil, almost spelled like Virginia, but with an A. And uh, it's unbelievable because it's amazing, too. The, the, the amazing thing about the documentary is that you go back, they show the footage from, of the news footage from the 90s of the people saying, yeah, I saw this. I saw the ship. It came down this way. It crashed right here. And the th these three little girls who, who saw the beam and they're wow. all everyone's still a lot. So they, now it's modern yeah. times and they interview the same people again. It, it's really mind blowing. And then and also. Uh, they, they interview a woman whose brother, um, they said, actually apprehended this being to take it to a hospital, it was wounded, and he died uh, of infections about a week and a half after that, that day. Wow. Yeah. And that's documented. That they confirmed that he died, but they, they, yeah. they attributed to him carrying this being in his hands. And so it's a really amazing documentary. And so... So again, it's almost again like technology where, we're, where it's bringing us and preparing us for something to be revealed, I believe. And I think in the Great Tribulation, that's where it can really take place because we don't know, right? Uh, the fallen angels are going to return. And what yeah. I talk about again with this idea of the scroll of time and Bible, the events of scripture repeating throughout time, right? This is how God communicates, how God expresses his ultimate wills by events repeating and ultimately being fulfilled in the end times. You know, days of Noah, you had the water that flooded the earth, right? The windows of heaven opened, the fountains of the deep. You had water coming from underground and from above. And so yep, yeah. again, in, in the Great Tribulation, you're going to have an angelic flood, right? The, the abyss is going to be opened at the, uh, the uh, opening of the fifth trumpet, the opening of the abyss, the bottomless pit. You have these beings come out, I believe, are the, the same Genesis 6 angels. They're called locusts in Genesis in Revelation chapter 9. And then you also have the remainder of the fallen angels being evicted with the devil, in Revelation 12, they are kicked out permanently and cast down to earth. And of course, the testimony of scripture says, yeah. woe to the inhabitants of the earth for the devil to come upon you having but a short time. And so having great wrath, because for he knoweth this time is short. And so 
but we don't know how they're going to present themselves. And so what I submit is I don't think they're going to come when the devil comes to earth openly manifesting to humanity. I don't think it's going to be coming to fight. I think it's going to be yeah. presenting himself as a beautiful, benevolent being. And these are his angelic cohorts who are here to help humanity. Yeah. And I even quote in the final Nephilim, Hippolytus, you know, writing in 202 AD. And he just, he does this amazing thing, like talking about this exact chapter and saying, what if, you know, the Antichrist himself is floating in the sky with angels singing beautiful hymns bathed in light, right? Yep. So he kind of got the mm. idea. And so, but what if they just add one other detail? What if they say we're from another planet? Yeah. We came here 7,000 years ago. We seeded you. You are our yeah. children. Yep. And now we're back to help you advance to the next sta stage of human evolution, right? Now and they plant the seed. Life. They plant the seeds for that stuff in movies. We get it with Completely. Prometheus, you know? Yep. Um, the, pan, the idea of what is it, panspermia? Panspermia, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then there's you know the the conspiracy theory of like the Pleiadians and the reptilians and the false you know the war between the good aliens and the bad exactly. aliens, you know. <laughs> and then you mentioned the Brazil thing, and it makes me think of what has become one of my favorite movies, um, M Night Shyamalan Signs. Oh, oh yeah, you know because that's Ooh. a movie that is ostensibly about aliens, but even M Night Shyamalan came out you know years later in an interview and said like, yeah, they're not aliens, they're demons. You know, and like when you go back and you look at all the little details of those movies, even the part yeah, where there's that creepy footage that Joaquin Phoenix is watching in the closet that supposedly is like in South America or Mexico where the, yeah. the alien walks across the alleyway at the birthday party, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, <laughs> freaks out about. Yeah, it has that same it has that same telegraphing um fabric to it is what you're talking about with this like great deception, you know, and that's that's something Nick and I touch on a lot is this idea that like the great deception it it's probably going to be something like that disclosure angle yeah you know and and exactly what hippolytus is talking about you know he's not going to come to us as a a raging lion seeking whom he may devour even though he is and yeah. and and the seeds of that the, the idea of evolution being yeah. our origin uh it's exactly. going to, that's been that has permeated the culture for over a hundred years now, would you say it's panspermiated culture? <laughs> <Yeah>. or... <laughs> panspermiated culture. But the uh, but the disclosure, you know, Sorry. aliens showing up and saying we're your progenitors, essentially. Yeah, that's going to so validate what secular humanism has been yeah. promoting for for a century. Well, that's a funny that's thing. Why like, it's going to be such a great deception. I have ran into it, it's so fun, like I've ran into like all these new agers, especially hippies, hippie chicks. Like mm -hmm. they sure. get really mad when you start talking about like aliens or just demons because they, because there is this like new age thing that worships aliens as like, these are our creators, you know, and they're going to come back and they're going to, they're going to stop all the wars and they're going to enlighten us. And they're going to bring Christ consciousness and theosophy. And, you know, they're going to heal all the sick and, you know, they're going to cure cancer and they're going to, daddy's going to be home and he's going to fix everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, yeah, definitely. For sure. And, you know, that's the world, you know, I mentioned before that she came out of and a lot of her family are still oh, in. Yeah. Oh, and really? So, yeah. Yeah. Believing ascended masters and Maitreya. So, I've had these, yeah. I, I'm probably one of the few people who can say they've discussed Maitreya with their, their, their in-laws. So yeah. <laughs> what's that Thanksgiving like, right? what I was talking about? <laughs> um, so yeah. And, um, but the, yeah, so, and it's important to, 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 again, hit on, you know, uh, what you said, Nick, that again, it's deception, right? It's not intimidation. 
Right. It's not, oh, you're going to be scared into believing. It's like, no, you're just going to be, you're going to be want deceived to. in a way that's going to make you want these things. And yeah. certainly in the new age, they're, they're, they're ready for it. They're prepared. Oh, they can, yeah. They're just waiting for these yep. beings to come. And so I, I used to say this to people all the time. I'm like, all it would take, if there was one large, massive UFO just hovering over New York City, just doing nothing. Independence Day style. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, not firing, not communicating, just yep. sitting there. Within hours, you would have people in the street worshiping it, on mm -hmm. their knees worshiping it, yep, right? Absolutely. And, so, and that's where I think it's it's just we're so ripe for that yeah. level of deception as a yeah. people, right? As a, yeah, a yeah. as a population, that it's going to be. I think easy. Well, the, you know, the world will be easy pickings for the fallen angels who have literal supernatural power, right? They're yeah. literally doing these things. The Antichrist is performing actual supernatural feats. It's not a parlor trick. It's right. not a lie. He has yeah. powers, right? The, the principalities and powers of the air. Fire from heaven, right? All this stuff. Is yeah. So it's, this is, it's going to blow people away. And why, you know, if you don't have the spirit of God in you, how yeah. could you not be deceived? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. How do you, how do you think discernment can be employed if and when that day comes? I think, you know, God, God is, you know, loves humanity so much. I, I don't think there's any era, even in revelation where you're not going to have a witness, whether it's the 144,000 witnesses, the two witnesses. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that the two witnesses for the first three and a half years, they can't be killed. Right. So which implies to me someone's going to try to kill them, right? It's not just right. a throwaway detail. Someone's going to try and kill or multiple times they're going to try to be killed. And yet no one's going to be able to stop them. And what are they doing? So they're demonstrating to the world, look, we can't be killed. No one can even harm us. And we're mm -hmm. telling you this is all deception. Do not believe these beings. Do not believe this man who's claiming to be the Messiah. Don't believe it, right? So yeah. again, God is constantly sending a witness. And I think the few people the remnant of believers, obviously there'll be a remnant of Israel, but I believe also there'll be other believers who will listen to the, the 144,000, the two witnesses. They're going to have that spirit to resist, but it's the ultimate sacrifice, right? The, the, the true, the test of faith in the end times is clear, right? Revelation 14 makes it clear. The testimony of the saints is dying. Yeah. You have yeah. to die for your faith in the, in, in the great tribulation. And we know yeah. what's going to happen because you get to chapter 15, you see the martyrs are standing on the sea of glass. So they're going to be people who have the Holy spirit and not just have it. They'll have it to the point where they say, I'm not only am I not buying into the antichrist deception, I'm willing to give my life for Christ. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, um, how would you feel that, how do you feel that uh, transhumanism will be, We'll, we'll tie into or be related to the mark of the beast when the antichrist comes and that's kind of pushed on everybody because yeah. we're talking right. about nephilim we're talking about like genetic hybrid mutants how is that going to pertain to what they try to foist on us yeah it's the repetition of the days of noah right daniel 243 right they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men right that's the final that final kingdom that's being described which i believe is the end times kingdom of antichrist in daniel chapter 2 the statue Nebuchadnezzar sees the 10, the feet and the 10 toes of iron and miry clay. I believe that's the hybrid end times kingdom of fallen angels and humanity together. And so the Bible is telling us something of the, of the days of Noah. this mingling of seed is going to take place. And so I think transhumanism 
is again another preparation this is all preparing us for the idea of merging ourselves i mean we're mm. again already at the point where it'd be no shock if there was some expose tomorrow saying that there are 10 designer babies who've been born in a lab in the last year would we be surprised that have you know the, the strength of a lion because they have some lion dna spliced into them by via crispr or something that would be no shock yep. it, would, yeah. it, it would be shocking but, but the logistics of it wouldn't be a shock. We wouldn't be like, because yeah. we, we know it can happen and probably has already happened. And so again, these are things, these are seeds, right? And this is, the devil is just mimicking God. God is always sending a forerunner. God is always mm -hmm. sending an advanced team, right? There's always witnesses that go out to, to lead the way before God brings his revel, his full revelation. And so the devil is doing the same thing in prepping us, whether it's actual science, right? Whether it's actual scientific breakthroughs in genetic research, whether it's movies that talk about us becoming like gods, the Avengers or things mm -hmm. that we can merge our DNA yep. and become something greater. And then ultimately in the end times, I think it plays out uh, really and truly with the mark of the beast. I think that's the ultimate um, culmination of the transhumanist movement. Because when you look in Revelation, and the Antichrist, again, who I believe will be a Nephilim, will be a hybrid being himself, that what wins him, what wins the world over for the Antichrist is found in verse four of Revelation 13. It's when he suffers a mortal wound and is healed. Yeah. That's the verse where it says that's when people say, who is like unto the beast? Who can make war with him? That's when they see him yeah. as God. That's when they were like this. No one like this guy ever. Yeah. And what I think will ha come out of that is that his overcoming death come. I believe he comes back from the dead. Uh, not only does deceive the world into thinking, yeah, this must be God. This must be the Messiah. Uh, but also I believe it gives the antichrist the opportunity to say, I have overcome death. Now you can as well. Right. And how do you do that by taking on my nature, take on my genetics, become mm -hmm. one with me. Right. Which is exactly what we have to do as Christians to be saved. You have to become in Christ, mm -hmm. one with him, not just in spirit, but in body as well, yep. right? Our salvation is not just spiritual. It's physical. We yep. take on the, we are the body of Christ. We, are, we shall be as he is. We have that same immortal body. And I think that's what the Antichrist offers through the mark. So it's not just economic. It's also your way to achieve immortality. And yeah. we, I think we even see it play out. In Revelation chapter nine, because I believe that that fifth trumpet, I believe that is the midpoint of the seven years when the abyss is opened and that spirit, the locusts come out, Apollyon. Mm -hmm. And it's also mm -hmm. at that time, it says that men shall seek death and death shall flee from them. No one can die yeah. for five months. Right. So, you know, it, and so you people are trying to kill themselves and can't die. So yeah. there's going to be this temporary immortality. Because why? Because I believe they believe the deception of the Antichrist taking the mark, and now they can't die. And of course, what does God do in his infinite wisdom and judgment? At the very moment man finally achieves immortality, God unleashes, unleashes these locusts to torment them, and they all they want <laughs> they can't die. Exactly. Like, the irony. <laughs> and now they can't at the very moment that they've achieved uh, uh, you know, this temporary uh, physical immortality, as theologians called it centuries ago. Man, it's a. Uh, I love how you sort of build a parallel, um, sort of like a black mass uh, between, you know, because I've never heard anybody do this before, between the mark of the beast and Christian communion. 
that there is sort of this this dark communion that you will have to take, you know, and and it really speaks to the importance of communion and taking communion just as not just as a ritual, but as an act and as uh, as this participative, you know, thing that has a numinous quality and whether you ascribe to like, you know, the Catholic version that like it literally, you know, transforms or it doesn't like whatever. But communion is such a thing that I think a lot of us Christians in, especially if you go to church a lot, you probably take for granted and you don't really think about the the nature of it. And um, hearing you talk about the mark of the beast as a dark simulacrum or dark analog to communion really makes it more important than I think a lot of people realize. Well said. Yeah, that's that very was cool, really man. well said. That was yep. that was excellent and, and absolutely correct. And I, I've said many times there is no rhyme or reason or logic to how we uh, uh, perform communion today in the church. Right. Jesus said yeah. very clearly, there are only two rituals that were commanded in the New Testament church. Right. It's baptism and communion. Yep. Jesus said Do oh, every yeah. time, every time you meet in my name. Right. And they were replacing. I believe they were replacing, you know, the signs of the Old Testament. Right. Obviously, Sabbath yeah. and uh, circumcision. So mm -hmm. but, but at the same time, Jesus said, do it every time you come together, do this. So if Jesus said that, why don't we do it? Why do churches just do it on the first Sunday of the month? I have, I'm like, what's what, what's the biblical basis for that? And so I think yeah. you're right. So I think there's a what Christ, what our Lord is showing us is exactly what you said that there's a powerful symbolism there that it's representing our future. Our it's our past in, yeah. in when we get saved, but also our future. We are literally joining with Christ. You know, and this is why you know people ask me. I'm like this all the time. They're like, well, after everything's done, after we get to you know, the eternal kingdom, can we still sin? Will there be another rebellion? And I say, no. And the reason why is I said, think about it this way. If you knew that your mind was going to be directly linked into Jesus Christ, do you think you would mm -hmm. sin? No. That's what the Bible tells us is going to happen. That where our yeah. spirit is going to be merged with his spirit. That's John 17, that we will be one in him as he is one in the father. Right. That yeah. was his prayer for the church. So we are going to be super positioned with Christ and in Christ. So that's a powerful thing. And communion is that reminder of that. Yeah. yeah. It kind of makes you think what um, what the black mass version of baptism is going to look like, you know, for this uh, for this new yeah. age Oof. sort of thing. Is it going to be the metaverse? Is it going to be uploading your consciousness? Is it? you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, is it going to be taking the Elon Musk chip? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, all Elon for a lot yeah. of things, but you know. yeah, but again, but also then you mentioned that, right? It, it also gets into the the image of the beast, right? Like, right, right. We talked about its control, like it can control and monitor who's and know everyone who's worshiping, right? Which is like yeah. a, that's a that's an intellectual action, right? It's not like you're paying money. Well, for some people it is worship, but <laughs> but, it's, yeah. um, but it's an intellectual exercise, right? Yet it knows, but also. You know, we get this detail that the image is alive. It's created. It's built. It is the ultimate artificial intelligence. It's, it's It says it has life. So yeah. what is that looking like? Again, is it a consciousness that it has? Like it's going to have on some level a consciousness uploaded into an artificial, an artifice of whatever yeah. it is, a statue, a, you know, a mannequin of some sort of robot. It's, but it's going to have yeah. actual life into it. So, yeah, so the, uh, uploading our own consciousness could be a part of this whole kind of like you said this kind of black mass simulacrum of baptism yeah, yeah.
Well, I have a I have a few more questions for you that I want to reserve exclusively for the patrons so we don't get on get in trouble. With <laughs> sure. uh, before we before we jump over to those, uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more and where can they find your book? Absolutely. So you can find me at judgmentofthenephilim.com. It's a one word. Uh, there you can find my books, uh, The Judgment of the Nephilim, The Final Nephilim. I also, yeah, they are the both books right there. Thank you for showing them. And uh, they're also companion study guides for both books. And there are documentaries as well. I made documentaries oh, nice. on both books. Uh, they were filmed with a Hollywood film crew. They're high-level overviews. They're great nice. if people don't want to read the book or, you know, kind of an entryway for someone who may want to learn about the topic, but they don't want to, you don't want to hit them with a very dense uh, book full of lots of research. Uh, you can, they can watch it in a night. Um, it's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. My my social media is mostly Judgment of the Nephilim. So my Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels are all Judgment of the Nephilim, one word. And my Twitter is J-O-T-N underscore book. Nice. Awesome. All awesome. right. Very Sweet. cool. What's next for you? Uh, what's your, what's your, what you project are you working on currently? You got to do a third book. <laughs> yeah, yeah so you know it's interesting so yeah so I, I have a lot of projects coming out this year i actually just i i i i, I feel bad saying this because i get asked about this constantly but i am so close to finishing the audiobook we're doing the final uh kind of like uh final adjustments on the audio actual quality mm -hmm. and specs with amazon so i have like cool. two changes left and so that might actually launch today if my producer gets back to me Nice. So nice. The final Nephilim audiobook is it's people have been asking me about this for months. I get emails every day. So that's coming out <laughs> this week for sure. I promise. I know I've been saying it so many times, but it's actually we're almost close to being done done. So um that's yeah. coming out next. And then um I'm also doing I'm I'm working on another documentary right now that is going to deal with the end times Nephilim deception. And so what I call and 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 the where that fits in is is pop culture. So there are, and I, I touched this on this a little bit in the final Nephilim. There is a huge genre of books and TV shows, movies that talk about Nephilim, fallen angels, Genesis six, days of Noah, but are completely twisting it. It's where the yeah. Nephilim are the heroes. The fallen angels are misunderstood and just supernatural, Lucifer, Legion, <laughs> exactly, the prophecy. Exactly. Yeah, and uh -huh. a lot of this stuff is aimed at preteens, teens, adolescents, and so get them all. They're young, deep baby. Dive. It's exactly. So I'm doing a deep dive to expose this and really give some ammunition uh, for people who want to reach children and nice. teens about this content and showing them the Bible's truth. And then this year is really about, you know, I was when I was in New York, uh, I, I worked as a youth leader for a decade. So children, oh, cool. teens are a big passion of mine. Um, I was a reluctant youth leader. I was teaching a great yeah. class in my church on end times Bible prophecy. We were rocking and rolling in that class. And then the youth <laughs> teacher went to, went to grad school and my pastor was like, I want you to teach the kids. And I'm like, I have no desire to teach kids. I love digging into Revelation, the Nephilim, but he was like, now you got to switch up. And I, now I love it. So I'm actually going to work on um, some children's Bible book series. And oh, that nice. are going to probably be the first book um, for children that deals with the Nephilim in, in, in a Noah's Ark account. <laughs> cool. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. But also kind of reinforce um, how we teach uh, the scriptures, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm really big on Bible stories for children are not fables. They're not fables. Mm -hmm. They're not moral lessons. It's yeah. no different than when you're an adult. It's all a revelation of God's plan of redemption through Christ. And so I want to really teach children i teach my own children and i've written i for a decade i wrote all my own sunday school lessons and it was always based on types and shadows foreshadows helping children understand that 
the ark is a symbol of Jesus, right? He is the ark, right? We're going him and we are protected yeah. from the judgment to come, right? That Joseph is a foreshadow of Christ. Moses, obviously. So, so it's going to kind of, kind of reset how we teach these, the Bible to children and hopefully yeah. give a, a model that I think God actually wants us to use, which is type shadows, similitudes and, and things like that. And, um, Awesome. Yeah, so that's so that that'll be the first half of the year, and then I got some other good stuff I'm cooking up. I get back to adult books in the second half of the year. <laughs> yeah, nice, probably ready for it. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm really excited for that project, actually. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like yeah. to expose my kids to that. So yeah, it'd be really cool. Well, you know, that was something that I remember Rob Skiba used to talk about all the time. You know, he would say like, "You think Lord of the Rings is crazy? Like, right. look at Genesis." Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah exactly. Uh, there's so much rich material there that if you are a Christian, you are beholden to believe it, you know, and it's wilder than anything, you know, that yeah. Tolkien ever wrote, you know, it's wilder than anything I ever wrote, you know, and yeah. so like, dude, it's it's all there. It's such a fertile field. It, it's know, there. And, and I'll tease I'll tease one more thing since you said that uh, one other thing that I, I'm, I'm currently kind of. uh working on kind of negotiating trying to figure out is uh is actual uh judgment of the nephilim graphic novel yeah yes so it is yeah. perfect yes. material it's exactly absolutely perfect material <laughs> yeah. because like that's why i'll tell you ryan that's one reason why i wrote the heavenly realms novels was because like in that same vein of i was a teenager and in my 20s and like no one wrote the kind of stuff that I wanted to read. Yeah. So yeah. like, and, and I was so bored with church and I hate to say it to this day. I am so full up bored with church. I hate to say it. Like it's a real stumbling block for me Yeah. because it's just, it's like, Oh my gosh, I've heard all that. I know, I know, I know, you know, yeah. but like if I were, you're doing the Lord's work is what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> like if I were 15 and yeah. like, you know, somebody, you know, came to me with like, you know, the judgment of the Nephilim graphic novel, you know, yeah. about like, like these Kandahar giant monsters, you know, and <laughs> exactly. like all the crazy chimera and like the war between the Nephilim, you know, and, yeah. and the righteous oh, yeah. sons of Seth. And like, and then, you know, the lion men of Moab and the, yeah. and the, you know, mighty men of David and just all these, all these things that no one ever touches on these fantastical things. I'd be like, okay. I'll stop. This is cooler than Star Wars. So I'm going to stop paying attention to Star Wars. And now I'm going to start paying attention to this. And it's real, you know? Hey, Amen. That's the goal. That's exactly what my goal is, you know, because I grew up on all that stuff. I loved sci-fi. I loved comic books. I loved graphic novels. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something I know that if it's done the right way, that, you know, uh, teens will like it. At least. Yeah. I, I know I, I would, I felt exactly how you feel. I, I, I would have, grab that in a heartbeat yeah okay now you say comic book fan uh just just for my pure i'm not even a big comic guy but i just want to know uh batman superman punisher or wolverine pick one <laughs> which one do you like the most uh batman batman okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah i could see it's easy yeah it's easy yeah Boy, wolverine second detective yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah wolverine second yeah wolverine <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode, guys. We would love it if you tell your friends about the show, maybe leave us a good review. And also consider becoming an honorary Gosling. An official exclusive membership to the Gosling gets you exclusive access to interviews and conversations that we can't have on YouTube. Plus, you'll get free digital downloads of some of our books and excerpts and writing. 
Uh, also, and check this out, you get to participate in a live monthly Discord chat with us. Uh, we do this once a month now. Um, all this plus more if you join our community on Patreon for just $5 a month. I mean, that's nothing. $5 a month, it's a cup of coffee. So go to patreon.com forward slash the Goslings and sign up today. Thanks for listening. Now go forth and strike down the darkness. <laughs>